live and local. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby! We're going to be here all day! Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party! Now, here's your host, Jordy Holtberg. Great good afternoon. How are you? Wherever you may be, however you may be listening in, we thank you. This is the Jordy Holtberg Show on a Tuesday, June 14th, the year 2022. My main man, James Mesh, back in the master control suite in the game studios, which are on the campus of Delta Media, which houses KLWB, which is 1037 Lafayette. We're also on in Lake Charles on 1041. We are streaming to the world on 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. And in the Acadiana area, we're also simulcast 32.3 on stadium and 133 on LUS fiber. Did you miss the headlines of the day? Not to worry. The Blonde Bomber has you covered. Here is Holtberg's headlines. Well, it was game five of the NBA Finals. The Golden State Warriors jumped out to a quick first quarter lead, 27 to 16. They increased that to uh, um, a 10-point lead at the half. The Boston Celtics came roaring back, cut it to a one-point deficit after three. Golden State went on to win it by 10, 104 to 94. In the game, well, you know, Steph Curry can bring home a lot of things on his resume, and his legacy will live forever. He changed the game. He's going to be a a Hall of Famer. But during Game 5 of the NBA Finals on Monday against the Boston Celtics, Curry accomplished something he has never done before. He attempted nine shots from three-point range and missed them all. The streak has come to an end. Curry had gone an NBA record 132 straight playoff games, making at least one three-pointer, including the regular season. He had gone 233 straight games, much like Cal Ripken Jr. Every streak has to come to an end. And despite the fact that Steph only scored, and I say only, uh, in his regard, only scored 16 points on the night to go along with eight assists, It was the coming out party of Andrew Wiggins with a 26-point, 13-rebound double-double. Clay Thompson with 21. Gary Payton II with 15. Jordan Poole with 14. And now the Golden State Warriors on the precipice of their fourth NBA championship with Steph Curry in the toe leading the way. Um, Game six will be Thursday in Boston. That's two straight wins now for the Golden State Warriors. The first time Boston's lost back-to-back games in the entirety of the NBA playoffs. So even though Steph proved to be mere mortal, he still did other things to will his team to win. And the Warriors knocking on the door. The College World Series is set. 
Might as well call it the SEC West. Auburn punched their ticket in yesterday, and now four teams, all from the SEC West, are in the field of eight. Texas A&M, Arkansas, Ole Miss, and Auburn. The CWS gets underway this Friday. First matchup, Oklahoma versus Texas A&M. The nightcap, Notre Dame versus Texas. On Saturday, it'll be Arkansas versus number two-seeded Stanford. Meanwhile, it'll be an all-SEC affair in the nightcap on Saturday as Ole Miss will take on the Auburn Tigers. Our guest list today, Ben McDonough, will talk all about the College World Series and um, let us know what his thoughts are on that. Uh, Meanwhile, the New Orleans Saints back at it. Um, Mandatory minicamp and all things said and done. Um, Everyone that's supposed to be there is there. Even if they were hurt and didn't participate, they were there. And according to my buddy, um, Deuce McAllister, um, Dennis Allen hit the defense up with a quick 40 up down. That's where you go up and you lay flat on the ground. You jump up, lay flat on the ground, jump up, lay flat on the ground. That was 40 up downs on day one in this heat before any drill was done. According to Deuce, whoo, that's tough, but setting the tempo and setting the tone for things to come. Um, we'll have a live report from Bob Rose of the Saints News Network coming up in hour number two. Uh, our guest list also includes in this hour Hunter Bauer, um, he of the prep scene. And uh, we'll talk about some of the things that have transpired with the LHSAA. Is that good? Is it bad? Are we getting closer to disbanding this select, non select, or is it even further apart? We'll discuss that. Alex Myers will join us. It's the eve. Um, uh, it's two days away from the start of the U.S. Open outside of Boston, and everything. The, the PGA Tour players are even getting tired of it. Everything is centered about the Live Tour, and uh, Rory McIlroy has come out and said, "I understand the the Phil Mickelsons. Uh, you know, they're at the back end of their career. Their better, best days were before them, not." Where we're behind them, not ahead of them, but the players that are of our age in their 20s, in their 30s, with a lot of golf left to play, Rory said they're taking the easy way out. Phil Mickelson, um, it, it's like a there's no cuts. You you're in the tournament, and the Phil Mickelson finished close to last, won 150 thousand dollars. So. Um, the Live Tour lives on, much to the chagrin of the PGA Tour. Um, let's see, what else? Uh, in recruiting news, as we are 82 days away from the start of the college football season for the LSU Tigers. Um, LSU out and about, hitting it hard, hitting it hard. Um, the Tigers will hold their elite summer camp this Thursday and Friday. They'll be hosting double-digit official visitors this weekend, headlined by five-star wide receiver Jalen Brown of Miami. Six of the ten official visitors are offensive linemen, including top 247 offensive tackle DJ Chester of McDonough, Georgia, who is a recent addition to the list. 
Uh, in other LSU news, the Tigers have a new women's tennis coach, Taylor Fogelman, the 2021 ITA National Assistant Coach of the Year. He's a Louisiana native. Fogelman returns to this state after spending the last five seasons in Austin, including the last four as associate head coach while there. He helped lead the University of Texas to national championships each of the past two seasons. So now he is at the helm of the LSU women's tennis team. Those are your headlines of the day. They're brought to you today by ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets. You know, there are 60 of them in southern and central Louisiana. They're in your neighborhood. And the mission statement is very easy, very simple. They just love serving the community and seeing it, their customers leave with a smile on their faces. And whether you need you need fresh food, fuel, top-shelf wines or spirits, or even just a quick pit stop, ShopRite Tobacco Plus Discount Outlets looks forward to serving you in their spacious stores that are filled with Louisiana products. Their modern restrooms, always clean, always comfortable, and delicious food that's always fresh and always fast. And if you are a Buku Rewards member, you get some awesome deals. Loyalty has its rewards. Not only can you save inside the store with great new deals each and every day, but the new Buku Rewards app is here and available. Um, you continue to save money. Plus, they've added a fuels reward program where you can earn a significant fuel fill-up discount just through your store purchases and in addition if you join the new gator gas program you can earn additional cents off per gallon on every fuel purchase these new additions are here uh so join up and save in the store save at the pump save all over the place at Shoprite tobacco plus discount outlets. you know what i say if you can't shop right at shop right you just can't shop right at all ben mcdonald talking baseball hunter bauer high school sports alex myers the u.s open golf championship bob rose all the latest on the new orleans saints so glad you have joined us we're here for the next two hours when we come back college world series talk with ben mcdonald here on the jordy helpert show on the game 1037 lafayette 1041 lake charles we are southwest louisiana sports station and we're your home for the lsu tigers and the houston astros Jordy Holtenberg is known far and wide as the Blonde Bomber. For the perfectly feathered golden mane he rocked back in the day at LSU. Just let your Just let it shine through. The hair may not be as golden or as long, but Jordy is still making a name for himself. Back to more of the Jordy Holtberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. 60 minutes after the hour on this Tuesday, June 14th, our College World Series update brought to you by Eon, the world's first non-invasive, non-surgical robotic body contouring laser, offering you a dignified treatment to permanent fat reduction and most of us could use that our next guest doesn't need to because he is looks the same as he did when he was throwing fastballs for lsu and the baltimore orioles our good friend ben mcdonald 
who has done an outstanding job as a college baseball analyst on television. He was there to see uh, Ole Miss uh, upend Southern Miss in two games, and the Rebels punched their ticket to Omaha. Ben, good afternoon, buddy. How are you? Good, Jordy. How are you doing today? I'm terrific. Should we call this uh, the SEC West invades Omaha? I mean, four of the eight from the SEC and all of those four from the SEC West. I know we say college football, the SEC West is the toughest there is, but does it get any tougher in baseball than the SEC West? Yeah, I tell you, you know, Jordy, it's tough. And we knew going in and and, and the talk by some of the experts was, well, the SEC's down a little bit this year in baseball. That's what we heard, you know, through a lot of the year. Well, they're not so down anymore as half the field as SEC teams. But just think about it. If the number one seed would have made it, it'd be five SEC teams. And that was the one thing that I was sure that was going to make it. And, of course, Tennessee gets upset by Notre Dame. But still, an outstanding showing by the SEC, and especially by the SEC West as well. You, you bring up Tennessee. So much vitriol against the Volunteers and, uh, you know, the baseball gods and karma have caught up with – should should – People have so much um, hatred for Tennessee and the way they play? Well, Jordy, can you hear me? Did I lose you? Yes. Yeah. No, we're here. There we, there we go. You know, look, Tennessee is just one of those teams. You love them or you hate them. There's no in-between with Tennessee, you know. And I asked Tony Vitello at the SEC tournament, you know, I said, listen, you allow your guys. And he said, Ben, I'm going to tell you what. He said, this bunch – goes to class every day. They make great grades. He said they come to the ballpark, they work hard, they're great kids in the community, they're great kids off the field. You know, so I've given them a little bit longer leash to express themselves okay. in some ways, you know, and okay. we saw some expression stuff going on that a lot of people didn't agree with. You know, there's the bat flips and the middle finger and, and this, that, <laughs> and the other. There were some potential mistakes. But like I told somebody earlier, I said, let's not forget a few years at LSU when Bo Jordan – hit a base hit up the middle of the regional and shot the guy on Mount of Burton as he ran down the first base. So I said, I don't agree with any of it, but what I'm saying is this is not a first. This is like not the first time this has ever right. happened in the history of college baseball. And so right. you love them or you hate them. They play with a lot of swag. They play with a lot of confidence, but it's, it's who they are. And it's hard to say it's not work for them, Jordy. I mean, look, they're the only team in the country the last two years that have 50 or more wins each of the last two years. Nobody else has done that. And it was a historic season for Tennessee – it just didn't work. But it's a testament to how hard it is. This sport of baseball is harder than any other college sport to try to win it. I mean, think about what happened. If Alabama was ranked number one in football and they were that dominant all year long, there's no way in hell a number 20th ranked team goes into Tuscaloosa and beats them two out of three. It would never happen in football. Right. It would never happen. Right. But it could happen right. in baseball. And it was the curse yeah. of the number one seed again. You know, you think about it. That's right. Since 1999, right? 1999 was the first year we went to a 64-team field in the NCAA tournament. That year, the Miami Hurricanes were the number one overall seed. They won the national title. Since then, no number one seed has won the College World Series since then. That's how tough it is to win a national championship in baseball. And it's really hard to believe that in all those years where LSU won championships, that they were never the number one seed. That's that's mind-boggling to me. Glad they weren't. Uh, but um, it, it's surprising to me, as good as they were back in the day. I, I, I find that so hard to believe. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's difficult to believe it, but it's true. I mean, it's some people call it the curse of the number one seed. Look, and don't forget about last year. I mean, Arkansas had arguably 
one of the greatest seasons in Southeastern Conference and maybe in college baseball is they won all 10 of their conference weekends last year at Arkansas. They were the unbeatable team, and yet they couldn't get out of their own Super Regional last year. So it it seems to happen almost every year, and nobody really wants to be the number one seed anymore. They just don't. Yeah, Uh, Ben McDonald with us. I was satisfied with whoever came out of the Hattiesburg Regional. I, I like both coaches. I think they are outstanding gentlemen coaches. I love the way their teams play. They play hard. They hustle. Um, but you got to be thrilled for your old battery mate. Uh, here's a guy that uh, <laughs> go back a month and a half ago, and and they were ready to run him out of town. And um, he who lasts last lasts first. And and Mike Bianco's kind of laughing right now because he's got his club back and, and they're still alive. Yeah, you know, I knew the water was getting hot around Mike, and I just couldn't believe it, you know. And I said this last year. I said the worst thing that ever happened to Ole Miss was Mississippi State winning the national title in baseball. Yes. That was the worst thing that could have ever happened to Ole Miss because now the expectations go through the roof again, right? And so yeah. you're ranked really high preseason. You get to number one ranking in the entire country about the first two weeks of this season, and all of a sudden – it went sideways for Ole Miss. But, you know, a tip of the cap to Mike Bianco and his coaching staff and those players on that team for saying, you know what, it's about what's in this circle of players that we have and these coaching staff. we got to continue down the road that we're on, and we got to continue pushing forward and believing in what we're doing. And, look, it paid off for Ole Miss. You know, they get hot, a little bit hot down the stretch, and they win two of their last three SEC turn, uh, uh, weekends. And then – they come to Hoover and they get beat, right? They win one game and they're out, and we're sitting going, "Well, man, is Ole Miss even going to make it in the tournament?" Yeah. Then you got the bid stealing stuff going on on Sundays, and you're thinking, "Ole Miss is probably not even going to get in the tournament," and yet they were probably the 64th team, the last team to get in, and here they are. And we talk about, okay, what changed for Ole Miss? Well, what changed was they inserted a couple guys in, in, in Delusia and Hunter Elliott, the true freshman in that weekend rotation, who the two guys that were so good for him in the regionals and the super regionals. And those guys have taken off. The bullpen's kind of found its way. And here's a nugget for you. Ole Miss did not throw one shutout the entire year. And yet Jeez, they go nice. to a super regional and throw back-to-back shutouts. And so it's always Jeez. about can you elevate your game when it means the most. And this is a team that yeah. – and don't forget about the defense, Jordan. This is a team we were mentioning with LSU throughout the year is the 13th worst defense in the SEC, just above LSU. And yet they go clean in a regional. They didn't make an error in the super regional. So they've elevated their pitching. They've elevated their defense. And they're playing with, with a lot of confidence, Jordan. You know this. Look, sometimes when you're playing with house money and you don't have expectations to win and you kind of backdoor your way in is what Ole Miss did, they're just playing free and easy right now. And I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think anybody in Omaha wants to play the Ole Miss Rebels right now. I, I agree. Ben McDonald with us. Four of the eight teams were um, top 16 seeds. Stanford, number two. Texas a and number five. Texas, number nine. Auburn, number 14. Um, is that just uh, b- baseball purists not knowing who the good teams are? Or is that just baseball? It just happens that way. I just think it's baseball, you know, because we always say the regular season's one thing and how you play throughout the year. But what we've seen in recent years, and really for a long time now, I take that back, is not really the best team, but who's playing the best when it matters the most. All these teams, Jordy, are very equal talent-wise. They can all beat you. And we see that every weekend in the SEC. But it's the same with all these teams, you know. How are you playing? Texas kind of had an up-and-down season where they were ranked really, really high. Their bullpen was terrible there for a while. They've kind of gotten it figured out, and all of a sudden they make a run. They get in the College World Series. But they're all – you go down the line, 
all these teams have won and been hot as of late. You know, they're all peaking at the right time, you know, including Arkansas. And, and they're all gotten going. And so they're all, they all can win. I think Notre Dame is the biggest. I mean, I look at their numbers. I mean, Tennessee had more wins this year than Notre Dame had games played this year. That's and crazy. so when I look, I'm That's sitting there doing all my research. I'm, I mean, Notre Dame, there's nothing that really jumps at me as far as being an Omaha-caliber team. But the truth is, they got a lot of experience last year. Don't forget, they went into Starkville last year in the Super Regional and took Mississippi State, the eventual national champion, to a game three in the Super Regional. And I think that older bunch came back saying, you know what? We've been here before. We know what it is to play one of these SEC schools in this kind of environment. They weren't intimidated going into Knoxville at all. They just took it to Tennessee, you know. And so yeah. it, it's fun to watch. I, I, I can't, I, you know, somebody said, well, who's the favorite? I said, I don't know if there is a favorite. I just think it's going right. to be whoever plays the best baseball is going to win. Uh, I'm very impressed with the fact that Auburn um, <laughs> was way up there in the great Northwest in Oregon State and, and won a game three on a Monday night. Uh, very impressed. Hard to do. You know that. Um, that that's got to add to their to their confidence as well. I think so. I mean, I look at Auburn, I go, how is Auburn where they are? I mean, I look, their team ERA is 4.5. They've only hit 72 home runs. That's not a big number at all. You know, no. Sonny DeShera, their big DH, the co-SEC player of the year, has kind of led them. You know, he's hitting nearly 400 with, I think, 22 home runs. But he's the only guy on that team that's double-digits in home runs. But, again, it's a team that's playing well. They've got a really good bullpen. If they take it to the back end, they get Blake Burkhalter in there. You know, he's got 15 saves on the year. He yeah. can go some distance and he can shut you down. So I think they got a shot too. And I think in some ways they feel like they're playing with house money, not really supposed to be there, you know. And so I'm happy for Butch Thompson. This is this what second trip to Omaha in the last three years. Mike Bianco's second trip overall. You know, uh, Dave Van Horn. Will this be the year that Van Horn finally wins it, right? This is his ninth trip to Omaha, seventh yeah. with the Razorbacks. And this is going to be his first time to punch through like Mississippi State did last year. So, And, then, of course, Link Jarrett over at Notre Dame, you know, every indication is he's gone because the Florida State job opened up. And, he, of course, he played at Florida State with an All-American there. And the rumor right. on the street is he's leaving Notre Dame. As soon as this is over, he'll become the head coach at Florida State where he played his college ball. Crazy. Uh, I think of Stanford. I think of LSU Stanford so many times in the College World Series. They're the highest-seeded team. Um, I, I guess if you had to favor somebody just based on numbers, maybe they're the team. Are they Are they a solid pitching team like they always are? Yeah, Stanford is. Stanford can pitch it a little bit. I mean, their, their ERA is still four, but, you know, they, they got some dudes uh, – you know, Matthew Quinn is really good, and Alex Williams. Their weekend rotation is some real dudes. And there's enough offense in there. They they got two guys in the middle part of that lineup. A little bit harder to hit homers out on the West Coast because the ballparks are bigger. But Graham Carter's got 22. Brock Jones has got 20 homers. They got 117 of them on the year. So they're a very offensive team this year. But, you know, like somebody said, offensive numbers are so crazy this year. You know, you just don't yeah. know. There were three teams that hit 100 or more home runs in the college game last year. We got 19 teams with 100 or more home runs this year. And if Ole Miss hits one more, and they probably will in Omaha at some point in time, there'll be 20 teams that hit 100 or more home runs this year. So the balls are amped up a little bit. The balls are flying, Jordy, like in the old gorilla ball days <laughs> of years ago, you know? Yeah. Amazing. Um, uh, just uh, can't wait. I, I, I'm, I'm secretly pulling for – the guy that used to catch for you in Mike Bianco and Ole Miss. I'm secretly pulling for them. Yeah. I hope somebody from the SEC wins it, but if they do, I hope it's Ole Miss. 
Yeah, I don't disagree. I mean, look, Ole Miss has got the fewest amount of wins out of anybody there, 37 wins, you know, but that don't mean anything right now. And no. They're 13-3 and three in their last 16 games, and, you know, Mike deserves it. Mike's worked really hard, and the fact the water was hotter, and I couldn't believe it because all he's done, Jordy, in 21 years is go to 18 NCAA tournaments, and yet people are trying to run him out of town. You know, I don't get it, but it is what it is. But all those miles, you can't find one person who wants to run him out of town now, so maybe no. this is Mike Bianco's year. I didn't think about it, but you you absolutely nailed it. The worst thing that happened to Ole Miss was for Mississippi State to win it all the year before. That is absolutely 100%, correct. 100%. Yep, 100%. Ben, you're the best. Thank you so much for your time, as always, man. And uh, um, have a great summer, buddy. Thank you. I appreciate it, Jordy. Take care. All right, you take care. That's uh, Ben McDonald talking College World Series. And Ben was a, was a hard thrower for your um, – Stat of the day from back in the day, you know who had the most no-hitters in Major League Baseball? Nolan Ryan with seven. You know who had the most one-hitters in baseball? Nolan Ryan with 12. You know who had the most two-hitters in Major League Baseball history? Nolan Ryan with 18. And you know who had the most three-hitters in Major League Baseball? That's right. Nolan Ryan with 31. The Ryan Express. Some kind of awesome. Some kind of awesome. Let me tell you what else is awesome is Rescue is Saturday, June 25th at Park International. It's a day of live music featuring the Sarah Russo Band, Jet 7, Layla Laverne, Hunter Corville, and Cam Nelson. There'll be plenty of food, games, and even a raffle. Rescue Fest is a fundraiser for the Rescue Group of Acadiana, a group that provides financial and emotional assistance to grieving families of child loss. To buy tickets, go to Eventbrite or visit rescuegroup.org. That's R-E-S-C-Y-O-U group.org. We'll take a time out here. When we come back, we'll kind of recap some of the events that have transpired in the world of high school sports in the state of Louisiana. Hunter Bauer, next up on the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Your home for the Houston Astros. We love talking about sports. Yeah. You love listening to sports. Yep. Sounds like we were meant to be together, or at least friends with benefits. Aren't you glad you found us? Back to more of the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. As we continue rolling on on this Tuesday, June 14th, another sizzler out there. Um, hope you're having a great one. Hope you're staying uh, dry, uh, staying hydrated and cool. Um, time to talk a little bit of high school athletics as the, the high school calendar sports year has come to a close um, we'll get things kicked off with volleyball and soccer soon in, in August. But uh, Hunter Bauer is the owner, founder of GoPreps.com, a frequent visitor of ours. And we're thrilled to have him. Hunter, how you been, man? Are you, you getting some relaxation in or is the beat go on? Hey, Jordy, thanks for having us on today. Yeah, you know, we're uh, getting, a little, getting a little rest in after a busy uh, spring, but, you know, getting amped up for – for another season of football here, uh, well, just in a couple of weeks, it seems like. So, uh, yeah, you know, just trying to stay busy. 
Uh, you wrote an article about uh, kind of summing up the, the the calendar year of sports in the LHSAA, and um, I, I'm very interested in your opinion. Uh, by a vote of 16 to 5, the association's executive committee approved the redefining of what shall be considered a select school per a bylaw, which calls for the promotion of fair play among LHSAA member schools. Can you explain that to me in layman's terms? <laughs> yeah, you know, so when the uh, when the association voted in 2013 to to split the sport of football into uh, in, in the two divisions, and that's uh, public and private. Well, select and non-select is what it's called. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there wasn't as many uh, charter schools and magnet programs and things of that nature, uh, you know, originally when this was voted in. So what the LHSA, uh, uh, you know, did what the executive committee was charged with was to come up with a, uh, redef- or a redefining of the term select to fit uh, what membership uh, reflects today in the association, and so basically they were presented with three options. The first option was was you know what we had before the vote uh, two weeks ago, and then the other option was to completely split the uh, private and the public schools. Uh, but the executive committee thought that this sec- that the the definition that they voted on it pretty much uh, you know defines what a select school is, and that's anybody who draws. Uh, from outside their attendance zone, no matter if they are a public or private school. So that's really what it was in a nutshell. It's just trying to level the playing field even more. Um, You had some schools that, you know, really, uh, you know, they were considered on the non-select or a a public school. But, I mean, most of their uh, attendance zone or most of their attendees were from outside of their zone. Okay. All right, uh, Hunter Bauer with us. All right, I'm always one. See, I grew up in an era where there was no such thing as select, non-select. It was all (laughs) the best of the best against the best of the best when we go from there. So here's my proposal. If we're going to have select and non-select, play your championships, all right? And the 5A winner of high school football in the select group, there's the 5A winner in the non-select group. Let those two play, and let's get one champion. And we can do that in every sport, in every division. Is that crazy? Why can't we do that? You know, and that idea has actually been tossed around uh, over the last couple of years. In fact, we did a, a story on it, uh, I think it was last uh, spring, uh, uh, how, you know, you, 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 play your play, you play your championships in your whichever division or classification you're in, and then the two winners meet up for the overall state championship and, you know, 5A, 4A, 3A, and so on um, to, to determine a true champion within that class. It's been tossed around, but, uh, you know, uh, just about like with everything else, Jordy, it just was voted down or, or tossed aside and, you know, just uh, said it wasn't fair. So uh, it, it would have been cool to see. I think it's done in other states, but uh, I, I don't see that happening. Uh, but, you know, honestly, Jordy, I'm hoping that, and this is just my opinion, uh, I'm hoping that a move like this where, you know, most of the, uh, there are a lot of non-select schools that have been considered select now with this new definition. Um, Hopefully this just ends the split because everybody seems to be like, well, why do we have a split in the first place then? So it'll be interesting to see how it plays out within the next couple of months. Yeah, Um, it it seems like it's getting, it's moving more in that direction, but, you know, 
is kind of like Oklahoma and Texas. You know they're coming to the SEC, you just don't know mm-hmm. when. I think this select right. non-select is going to go by the wayside. I just don't know when, and I hope it happens sooner than later. That's just me. Um, you know, if you if you you play, you do the best you can. If you win, you win. If you don't, you tip your cap and you move on. And the best team with the best players are going to win, and and we'll go from there. Anyway, what else stood out I agree. in this calendar? Yeah, you know, we we always have to worry about storms and Hurricane Ida certainly made uh, its presence felt, but um, undeterred, sports continued. Yeah, no doubt, and that was a, another thing that we wrote about in our in our recap. And one of the really one of the many highlights, Jordy. Uh, that stood out to me was South Terrebonne. Um, you know, that area was just uh, uh, torn to shreds after Hurricane Ida made landfall. And, uh, you know, the, the baseball team there, um, their their baseball field was was uh, demolished almost. And uh, they didn't play on it all year. They had to go to, to visiting fields or, or, or not, uh, or had to go play at another field way away from where they were. Um, but they stayed the course, and uh, as a 15th seed, they swept Neville, the second seed uh, in the in the regionals, and then they swept South Lafouche, uh, who also suffered extensive damage in the quarterfinals there to make it to their first uh, uh, state tournament. And so, and then from there, they shut out Lakeshore in the semifinals, and then they come back to win their first state title against the defending champions, uh, North Vermilion, seven to six. And uh, it was just, uh, you know, you couldn't write a better story than that. The community was so excited. They were, I was at that game, and they were out. Uh, I don't think there was anybody left in that area. They were all in sulfur that day. And, you know, the head coach went on to win Coach of the Year for LSWA, and they had a couple all-state selections. So it just goes to show, you know, that community, they're, you know, they're never going to back down no matter what happens. And, uh, you know, just like over here in the Lake Charles area, uh, our people know how to uh, bounce back from a situation like this and, and know how to make the most of it. So it really was just a feel-good story to uh, to close out the year. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, it was just it was exciting to see the, the look on the players' faces after they won. It was just almost like Christmas awesome. morning all over again. Yeah, that's awesome. Hunter Bauer, go preps with us. Not only did we have to fight off hurricanes, but we had the COVID outbreak. And yeah. um, I remember – Governor John Bell Edwards advising to cancel things, but much to his credit, and I'm so glad he did, and the executive committee, Eddie Bonine and company, said, no, we're going to keep playing. We're going to do it the right way. We not, you know, we're not, may, may not play with fans in the stands or whatever it may be, but we're going to continue playing on. And I think that in, in times of stress and in times of that, sports is such an escape from reality. It's such an entertainment value. I think it's great for the soul, and I'm so glad that sports continued. Well, and, and it really was. And, you know, uh, Mr. Bonon had stated, you know, when they had to shut down the, uh, the, the basketball state championships back in March of 2020 when this thing yeah. uh, reared its ugly head, you know, that's something they didn't want to do. They didn't want to have to, you know, force people not to be able to show up and, and watch their kids play. They didn't want to have to shut down baseball and softball and things like that. Um, so really, you know, when this uh, recommendation came about, Mr. Bonine said, hey, look, as an association, we're not going to call off any sports. If you, as an individual school or district, if y'all feel that that's the need, the route that y'all need to take, then do it by any means. But as an association, we're not going to uh, interrupt uh, a sports season, uh, you know, 
everybody is well educated on how to fight this thing now. Mm-hmm. Uh, most you know athletes, coaches were vaccinated, um, so I, I feel like the way they stayed the course, I think it was the right thing to do. Um, you know, as we all say, yeah, you got to get back to normal at some point. You got to get these kids back. Uh, on the field and in, in, in the gyms and things like that. So I, it really was, uh, I think it was a big storyline uh, heading into uh, basketball season, well, and baseball and softball. So those kids had not played on the field for almost a year. So it really would have been heartbreaking had they would have shut that down again. Um, but, yeah, you know, great decision by everybody around I'm with you. Hunter Bauer, go preps. Uh, the big talk around sports now is name, image, likeness. You're seeing more and more high school athletes getting some of these collective deals. How is the LHSAA how, and uh, handling that matter with its member institutions? Yeah, you know, and this, and this particular topic could have gone towards the top as well. But, you know, honestly, Jordan, what a lot of people are confused about is, you know, they thought the LHSA had voted to approve that the NIL benefits, uh, that, that students could take advantage of that now. That's far from the case. That was already in place, but that was determined by the, you know, the federal government and the courts right. and things and all that. All the LHSA did, they just voted to uh, approve a positioning statement in their handbook while also saying, hey, we're going to partner with this Eckerd Sports Company to educate our student-athletes and our coaches on how to deal with certain situations if they were to enter in an agreement. Um, because if, say, a student enters into an agreement with Bob's dealership down the road, it may or may not affect if they sign a scholarship, a collegiate scholarship. Well, they may not know that without this education. So a lot of people were upset. They thought that, you know, the LHSA was coming in and saying, hey, you know, you can do this and you can do that. And a lot of people thought that, you know, schools were going to take advantage of it and start recruiting uh, in addition to what they may already be doing now. But that was far from the case. It was really just a an education um, uh, uh, journey that they want these kids to go uh, to go down and while they're maintaining an amateur status. So, it really was, honestly, it was really big to do about nothing, but it was a uh-huh. big headline for everybody. So, uh, but yeah, no, the LHSA does not, you know, promote it or support it. They're just saying, hey, we're going to educate our kids. Educate, in case and you'll make your want. own decisions. I, I like that. So in a nutshell, <laughs> um, when, when you're the head of a high school athletic association, you got some people that love you, you got some people that hate you, you can't win. <laughs> How would you sum up the job that Eddie Bonine has done in, in an almost impossible situation? Well, and, and that's the thing, Jordy. I think he came in uh, you know, when it was red hot, when the split had just occurred, and everybody, I, I feel like, was divided as an association. And, and he knew that. He knew that task coming in. And I think he's done a tremendous job. You know, uh, He's going up against a lot of circumstances since he's been in there. You know, you've had the split. You've had COVID. You've had uh, storm hurricanes and things and all that. And, again, like I said earlier, they just stayed the course. Um, he's done what he was hired to do, and that was to follow the Constitution of the LHSA, voted on by the principals, um, and do what he thinks is right. And, you know, he he knew coming in that he was going to have to try to end this split and almost lost his job over it, as he has admitted yeah. several, several times. And... Uh, but, you know, again, at the end of the day, he's going to do what's right for the student-athletes and for the coaching staff as well. They may not always see eye-to-eye, but at the end of the day, those people are in his 
or in his best interest uh, when he's doing his job making those decisions. It's not an easy task by any stretch of the imagination, but uh, job well done. Uh, I re- thoroughly enjoyed reading it. Uh, go follow Hunter Bauer uh, with Go Prep Sports. Um, continue success, man. I hope you have a quiet summer. I got all these seven on seven things going on, but so it never really stops summer league. Ba- Look, I, I know my daughters play basketball and volleyball. I got one in summer league basketball. I got another one lifting weights and doing conditioning <laughs> drills at 6 a.m. She's playing beach volleyball. I mean, it's busier now than it is during the season. Well, it's funny you say that. We live two streets over from the uh, McNeese State baseball field, and it seems every time uh, we, we go to the store or something, there's a, a travel ball team playing over there uh, You know, every weekend. So uh, definitely uh, it, it keeps us busy and keeps us following the kids all year round and getting to know awesome. them a little better. So we definitely enjoy it. Hunter, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Uh, all the best to you, your family, and to go preps. Yes, sir, Jordy. Thank you so much. We'll talk soon. You got it, my friend. All right, it's the game's birthday. And this is your invitation to party with us as we celebrate 10 years of being Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Join us at Buffalo Wild Wings on Ambassador Caffrey on Wednesday, June 22nd. There'll be delicious wings and amazing door prizes, including the always hot station swag, Astros tickets, a 50-inch TV donated by AVI, Car washes from The Wash, donated by Service Chevrolet, a gift card from Partners Limited, and so much more. Now, in addition to all of that, Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh will be broadcasting live from the party. So come join us at B-Dubs on Wednesday, June 22nd, a week from tomorrow, from 5 to 9 p.m. for the game's 10th birthday bash. We'll take a time out here. We'll come back. We will wrap up our number one, tell you what's coming up on our number two. This is the Jordy Helpert Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, your home for LSU sports brought to you by ShopRite Tobacco Plus discount outlets. If you can't shop right at ShopRite, dude, you just can't shop right at all, period. We'll be back. He's been a star on the hardwood and in the broadcast chair. So what's the secret to the Blonde Bomber's success? Easy. Taking time to work on his tan. You look marvelous. Back to more of the tanned and talented Jordy Holtberg on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Astros will be looking to get back on track tonight as at the Texas Rangers. First pitch is set for 7.05, and you can listen to all the action live here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and, of course, your home for the Houston Astros. Welcome to the world of the portal. Collier Cranford of LSU has entered the transfer portal. His name was on D1 Baseball's tracker. has just been confirmed, of course. Uh, a reminder that players who enter the transfer portal still have the option to return, but the portal allows them to explore opportunities elsewhere. So if somebody want Collier Cranford, well, we shall see. He's an infielder. Uh, the, you know, they, Everybody just wants to play, and there's only so many players that can play, and a lot of them have to sit on the bench, and so I, I don't fault them. 
Uh, but when you bat 133 with an on-base percentage of 328 in 31 total appearances this season, he started nine games at the end of the season at third base. In Jacob Berry's absence, he couldn't hit his way out of a paper bag. You're not going to be in Jake Johnson's lineup if you can't hit. You can't hit. You can't play. So he's going to the portal, and we wish him all the very best of luck. If you missed anything in our number one, our conversation with Ben McDonald, Hunter Hunter Bauer, uh, you can follow us on Twitter, follow us on Facebook, go to the game, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com. They'll be on demand um, down the road, down the road. Coming up, speaking of down the road, in hour number two, the U.S. Open is about to begin in Boston on Thursday. A lot of media interviews today, a lot of the talk on the Live Tour. Uh, we'll talk to our golf analyst um, from Golf Digest, Alex Myers, coming up in this hour. And Bob Rose of the Saints News Network will join us as well. It's all coming your way. You know, the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House. We want to help you take your lady out for some delicious seafood, but you can only win that $50 gift certificate to the Half Shell Oyster House by joining the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Hour number two, straight ahead on The Jordy Heltberg Show. Live and local, this is The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Open for the end zone. It's a Saints touchdown. Streaming live on 1037 The Game mobile app and online at 1037thegame.com. It is a Saints touchdown. This is The Jordy Holtberg Show. Hey, baby, we're going to be here. Call us up at 337-706-0111. I like this kind of party. Now, here's your host, Jordy Holberg. Hour number two of two, and away we go on this Tuesday, June 14th, the year 2022. If you missed any of our hour number one conversation, go to 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. Look on demand. You can find those later on, including our conversation with uh, former big leaguer, former LSU All-American Ben McDonald on the College World Series as the SEC West has invaded Omaha. The golfing world has invaded uh, Boston, outside of Boston, for this week's uh, U.S. Open. And unfortunately, nobody's really talking about the golf tournament. Every question seems to be about the live golf tour. So, there are now two functioning professional tours, and for the first time ever, golf is at an uncertain crossroad. So we got to go with our 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 guru, the guy that knows golf inside and out from Golf Digest, Alex Myers. Alex, good afternoon. I never thought we'd be talking about this. How did this? How did this happen? How did this all come about? Yeah, it's pretty crazy, Jordy. You're right. Um, I guess. You know, it's not one thing that led to this. Clearly, it's it's a series of events uh, over years. Um, I mean, I guess you could go all the way back to to Greg Norman trying to kind of create a world tour. I believe about thirty years ago, and getting shot down mm-hmm. by then PGA Tour Commissioner Tim Fincham. And since then, it just seems like Greg Norman's been waiting for an opportunity to kind of uh, get back at the tour. And obviously, he found the backing with with uh, you know the Saudi 
fund, uh, and you know uh, they they see a crack in in golf. They they saw an opportunity to maybe get some guys to come over to their tour this morning. and it's I mean they've gotten a few big names. It seems like that's only going to lead to more big names. Maybe not maybe not big names in their prime, but certainly big names that that can draw a crowd and. Um, you know that the tour has remained relatively unchanged for many years. Uh, maybe there's a bit of a stale factor in media coverage. Same thing. Uh, you know the formats, everything else. So there's definitely uh, you know a different angle that this is going to be a little different. But uh, let's be honest, it's it's a lot of money being thrown around by people mm-hmm. who uh, don't care about making any money. They're just trying to spend a lot of money. Uh, for for different reasons, so it's kind of tough to combat that. And and now we find you're right. The PGA Tour is certainly finding itself with a formidable foe in in live golf. Uh, you know, I can understand a Phil Mickelson whose maybe best years are behind him, not in front of him. But when you see a Dustin uh, Johnson uh, and mm-hmm. you see a Bryson DeChambeau, and yeah. DeChambeau said it's a business decision. It gives the impression to you and me and maybe others um, that it's just a big money chase and it's 54 holes. So I play 18 holes less. I don't have to worry about making or missing a cut because I'm always going to be there. And if I finish dead last, I'm going to make a lot of money anyway. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, you know, Bryson's business decision line, at least that rings a little more true than some of this growing the game or I mean, but the same token, Bryson also said he wanted to spend. It's better for his future family. I mean, he's a single guy. He's in his twenties, and he's talking about a family he doesn't even have. Again, some of these older players who are saying, "Well, yeah, I would like to not be on the road as much. Maybe I'll play a few less events, and you know, I'll still be able to make as much money or more." Okay, fine. Maybe that plays into effect. Although, again, we're still talking about money. But for Bryson to use that is kind of crazy. But at least for him to say a business decision and kind of admit that it really does come down to dollar and cents because, you know, really, what else, what else is there? What, what I just don't think these guys are really factoring in is, you know, let's say Bryson DeChambeau gets $100 million guaranteed, which, which is an incredible amount of money, especially for a guy who hasn't made a cut this year in a yeah. full-field event and a guy who's already incredibly injury-prone. Uh, but if you're going to lose all your endorsement dollars, at some True. point you got to do some math here. Uh, you are going to actually have to play well in these lucrative events. Uh, will you wait, make more money? Yeah, you probably will. But it's not as much as people are thinking. I, I don't believe because again, you know, if you start losing your big endorsement deals for five, ten million a year, but then you're getting paid twenty million a year in guaranteed money. Again, it's a lot of money. Don't get me wrong, Jordy, but right. it's not like it's a, it's all on top of what you're going to be making. So these guys are starting to lose endorse endorsements. Uh, you know, even like a guy like Louis Oosthuizen, as soon as he went over there, uh, UPS dropped him. He'd been a UPS guy for forever. Uh, so it's it's not as clean uh, of math as I think these guys understand. And then again, how do you put a price on? You know your legacy, which is what Rory McIlroy and yeah. you know John Rahm gave a great answer today, and Justin Thomas. You know, certainly there there's just certain things that money can't buy, and um, 
again, of course, it's easier for the guys who have made a ton of money already right. to say they don't need the money. But you, they do have a point that, uh, you know, money doesn't buy everything. It, it seems to me, this is just, it just popped in my, there's the PGA Tour, then it seems like this live tour is, uh, is the next step before you go to the senior tour. So it's not those guys that have reached a certain age, but maybe their best days are behind them. That's what, just what it seems to me. And I don't know if that's sustainable to us who want to watch. Right. Yeah, that's a great point. I mean, you're right. It, they've definitely attracted a certain amount of player. I mean, I don't want to, you know, let's just say the guys who are going there are, for the most part, are guys who don't win on the PGA Tour or yeah. are not winning anymore. I mean, Dustin, like you said, Dustin Johnson may be the main exception. Bryson DeChambeau as well, although, again, hasn't made a cut this year. You never know with his injuries, with his, you know, how hard he worked to increase that swing speed if maybe his body just couldn't handle it. Uh, but, you know, it's a lot of these older guys, Sergio Garcia, Louis Oosting. Louis Oosting yeah. has never won a PJ Tour event other than the British right. Open in, in 2010. Literally never won in the U.S. Yep. Uh, you know, we, we sometimes get on some of these guys and uh, people say, oh, you know, you're being too harsh. They haven't won PJ Tour events. They've won in Europe. Well, you know, they haven't won in the PJ Tour. And they've That's proven right. they can't over hundreds right. of starts. So you're right. It's kind of this like, well, I can't win here. Let me let me go over here and maybe I'll have a better chance of winning. But even if I don't, I'm going to get paid. Uh, the guy who finished runner-up is a 25-year-old from South Africa named Henny Duplessis. He made, hello, never heard never heard of him. Yeah, he made two million dollars. That's three <laughs> three times his career earnings. Yes, for finishing runner-up in an event that doesn't even have a name. So. There's some crazy stuff going on right now, Jordy. But, yeah, it's definitely a group of players that seems like it's on its way to uh, the senior tour. That's a great point. Yeah. Uh, Alex Myers, Golf Digest. These guys are going to actually start playing golf in shirts like I wear with maybe just a Ralph Lauren polo on the label. That's it. And not all these patches and all. That's that's That would be so funny. But, anyway, let's talk about the actual – the country club, Brookline, Massachusetts, John Rahm, your guy, the defending champion. Boy, Rory sure looked good at the Canadian Open. So did Finau. So did uh, Justin Thomas. So let's talk about this tournament and, and what kind of player does this course favor? Yeah, it's a great question because, uh, you know, we, we remember the 1999 Ryder Cup for the, the U.S., the thrilling comeback that the U.S. had that final day, but – you know, Ryder Cup's obviously different, different setup than a U.S. Open. The last U.S. Open held here was 1988. So it's been a long time since the pros wow. played here. There's the 2013 USAM as well, won by Matthew Fitzpatrick. But uh, the golf course has undergone a ton of changes since then. So, again, you don't have much course history, certainly among the guys who are playing in it. Um, and then, you know, you have this, there's all this talk about the greens. They're so small, they're going to be tough to hit. That leads you to think, it's going to be kind of a scrambling contest, and guys with great short games are going to excel. But on the other hand, you know, if someone is able to find these fairways, uh, they could actually hit those greens. And if you hit those greens, you're going to have good looks at birdie just because they're such small greens. They're actually, other than Pebble Beach, they're the second smallest greens uh, that, that the pros play on, uh, the PGA mm -hmm. Tour will, will, will be on. So um, to me, uh, you know, I'm still – looking for someone who has a good short game but but also has the potential 
to kind of, you know, hit with some pop, uh, some accurate pop. Because if you look at these last, I think it's the last seven U.S. Open winners, uh, I think the last one who wasn't really a bomber was Jordan Spieth in 2015. You've got the Brooks Kepka, the Dustin Johnsons, uh, you know, John Rahm last year. So you probably do still need some pop, even though um, this course won't be as long as some of the other U.S. Open courses we're used to seeing. No Tiger Woods. He is uh, sitting this one out to let his body recover before the Open Championship across the pond. Phil Mickelson hadn't played in the U.S. in more than four months, but, of course, he got involved in the Live Golf Series this past week, so he's in the field. Boy, he is certainly – his bravado has certainly gone down a little. He is – he is very evasive. He's taking time before he speaks. He he ain't no dummy, right? He knows what's going on. Yeah, you know, that, that was kind of weird. I mean, we're used to Phil being such a showman, uh, yeah. you know, putting on, a, on an exhibition at, with his press conferences as much as with his golf, right? And he was right. very, very timid and, and you know, reserved and, and all that. And, uh, you know, it's funny. You look at the guys who have made the move – those guys speaking versus the guys who haven't made the move, and it's just an incredible difference. I mean, you have yes. John Rahm giving these three-minute monologues, and, and same with Rory McIlroy and Justin Thomas and going on and on, and, and they just look like, uh, A, they're, they're just happy to, to not to with their decision, where these other guys just don't, you know, you would think if you got all that money, you'd be feeling good about it and wanting yes. to talk about it and extolling the virtues of this new league, but they, they just don't seem to be doing that. So you're right. I think they do kind of, I don't know if they have regret yet, but uh, embarrassment, but but certainly some, they're feeling something. But I will say, Phil, it looks like from videos I'm seeing, I'm heading up there tomorrow, uh, the crowds have been treating Phil like they always have treated Phil. Um, okay. He's still going to be a crowd favorite, it looks like, and maybe that will, you know, buoy him, lift his spirits a little, because you're right, he All did right. look like, you know, a beaten-down guy at he that press really conference did. yesterday. He really did. Uh, it's like we got the Hatfields versus the McCoys in, in, the, in the golf <laughs> world. That's It's crazy. Um, Do you give my boy Sam Burns, the former LSU Tiger, a shot? Does his game play well in Brookline? Yeah, I mean, he, he's such a good putter and he's such a good driver that, that sure, I mean, I do, but it, it, it's going to come down to, um, you know, hitting those greens. He, he, not right. the not the best short game. I mean, again, a great putter, but maybe not the chipping, maybe not okay. uh, dealing with some of the elements around the green. But, yeah, I mean, Sam Burns, I don't think enough people are talking about him. I mean, Scotty Scheffler kind of ran away and hid with this Player of the Year award, but if anybody could catch him, I mean, now he would have Burns would have to win one of the last two majors. It would be Sam Burns. I mean, with those three wins, uh, yeah. you know, he's he's got the next most wins of anybody, uh, and he's won in dramatic fashion too. A couple bombs in, in playoffs, so you really got to love uh, what he what he brings to the table. So, uh, you know, he's not one of my favorites, but uh, gotcha. just based on form, it's tough to look look too far past Sam Burns. I mean, he's had just a tremendous season. All right, now I had my thoroughbred handicapper, uh, and he picked Mo Donegal for uh, the Belmont, and so oh, well, I, I came in like like a bandit <laughs> and won with that. So, are you going to go with John Rahm again, Alex? Come on, are you going to tr- change it up a little bit? What are you going to do? I'm changing it up slightly, and, and okay. it, it, I'm still taking one of the big dogs here. But uh, Justin Thomas, I know he just won the PGA. Uh, I know people are saying, well, he's not going to win another major, but I, I just I don't buy into that. Um, 
I think he's been playing as well as anyone, maybe with the exception of Rory and Scotty Scheffler these past few months. Um, I think he won the PGA without even his A game, just kind of hung in there and let others come back to him. Uh, and again, we talk about short game. He's got all the shots, yeah. uh, around, both around the green and off the tee. Um, he's got the pop. Um, you know, again, it's going to it's going to require a, an accurate driving week from him. But mm-hmm. we know when he's in the fairway, he's one of the best iron players, and we know when he misses the greens, he's still one of the best around the greens. So, um, and again, the putting has held him back a little. But like I said, if you're hitting these greens, you're not going to be faced with like you know, brutal uh, two-putt situations here. You're, you're going to be pretty close to the hole. So uh, he could be aggressive with those putts. Um, I just think he it's, it's, I think he should be the favorite, and um, yeah. I like him to win a second straight major and a, and a first U.S. Open. I'm putting it on it, man. I'm, going, I'm riding oh, Alex man, Myers all the way, <laughs> all the way to the country club, baby. Alex, thank That's you. Uh, safe travels to Boston from uh, from New York, and uh, enjoy the tournament. And uh, thank you so very much for your time. I greatly appreciate it. You got it, Jordy. Thank you. Uh, we will talk soon. Take care. Enjoy you the got call. it, my friend. Thank you so very much. Uh, it's a busy man, and he knows his stuff. Uh, today is the day that you're going to sign up for the game clubhouse. Here, here's why. Here's why. Not only is it free to join, but when you do join, you get the chance to enter to win tremendous free gifts. Emphasis on free gifts, like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse. That's mouth-watering steaks cooked to your perfection. Tremendous sides and so much more. You can only score that $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse by becoming a member of the Game Clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. So go sign up and sign up today. Who doesn't want to win free stuff? And I have to pay anything to get entered to win free stuff. That's a pretty good deal. All right, uh, 18, 19 minutes, 18 minutes after the hour. Uh, we'll take a quick timeout. Time for the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. After this timeout, you're listening to The Jordy Helpert Show. On the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. We are Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. It's time for Jordy to march into some New Orleans Saints talk with Saints News Network's Bob Rose. Here is the Black and Gold Report with Bob Rose. Here on the game, 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, Robert, good afternoon. We've got football we can talk about as mandatory minicamp got underway today. Good afternoon, sir. Good afternoon to you, Jordy, and happy early Father's Day to you from the Rose household. And the same to you from the Hultberg household. That's awesome. Thank you very much. What's the perfect Father's Day gift for you? What would you like on your day? I, I know it sounds corny. Uh, I just like to hang out with the kids, uh, yeah. the kids, the wife, uh, hoping for a nice day. Maybe just go to the park, especially and watch the little man, uh, yeah, little man play and make new friends. Like I said, it's it, it's corny, but it's my day, my my way of heaven. I hear you. Hey, that's that's awesome. Okay, so. Apparently, everybody that was supposed to be at uh, minicamp was there. So 100% attendance, that's always a good sign. Yes, sir. Yes, indeed. 
Uh, now there's a, a, a coach Dennis Allen says that there's a couple people, you know, sitting out practices, uh, you know, by way of precaution, uh, you know, injury rehab, stuff like that. Uh, but we've seen Michael Thomas in that familiar black and gold 13 uniform on the sidelines. Yeah. Uh, you know, it, he looks to be a, a full go for training camp. Marcus Davenport is rehabbing a shoulder and coming along very nicely. Uh, you know, the rookies are getting a whole lot of work. Uh, and yeah, I, like you have alluded to many times, minicamp is not the situation where you want to rush veterans uh, and push them into uh, you know, uh, maybe furthering an injury right. or something like that. You just want to get a look at the new guys. And most importantly, you want all your guys in the building and on the same page. And the rookies have to go through their trials and tribulations. Uh, yes. Abram Smith had to bring snowballs to all the uh, veteran running backs. So, you know, you well, welcome to the league, boys. Welcome to the league. Uh, yeah. And as far as initiation goes, uh, you know, I, I don't think bringing snowballs or having to sing your alma mater uh, you know, is all that bad. Right. Uh, you know, and you know, it, it, Abram Smith's a guy to watch for uh, in, in Saints mini camp and training camp. Uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad that these players have fun with this kind of thing. All right. Fans were in attendance. Um, and uh, what, 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 some of the takeaways, I know you had some of your reporters that were out there and mm -hmm. uh what kind of takeaways did we did we learn from from today with you know with, with not much expected? Uh, yeah, it, exactly. Not a whole lot is expected. You you just keep your fingers crossed and hope that no one goes down with a freak injury. Uh, and our John Hendricks from the Saints News Network is our man on site. Uh, and, you know, a, a, a lot of his reports have to do with, again, the rookies. Uh, you know, Alave Jarvis Landry has made, have made some spectacular catches, uh, you know, one-handed kind of things, showing mm -hmm. off for the crowd, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, Trevor Penning, even though, even though the big uglies on the offensive and defensive lines don't get heavily into it like the olden days, uh, you know, uh, John mentioned something about how well Penning looks from a technical aspect, uh, you know, it, something that uh, you know, was kind of outlined as one of his few weaknesses coming into the draft in the first place. Uh, and, you know, obviously all kinds of rumors are, are swirling about, about, you know, his Saints visiting with other players as well. Uh, but as far as on the field, uh, you know, yeah, you, uh, these guys are just showing off for the fans. Uh, you know, uh, but uh, all, all the drills, everybody seems to look pretty crisp on day one. I guess the biggest news is uh, who was there? People like Alvin Kamara. Hadn't seen him yes. in a long time. He was there. Marshawn Lattimore was there. Deontay Harry, uh, James Hurst, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, Bradley Roby. Um, those spotted that weren't practicing. Taysom Hill, Dylan Mabin, Taco Charlton, Rashid uh, Shahid, Marcus Davenport, Peyton Turner. Uh, Marcus May, C.J. Gardner-Johnson were present but didn't participate in the session. So on and on and on and on and on. Um, mm -hmm. And I guess the biggest question now is Jameis Winston. What did John have to say about Jameis and how he looked? Because I know, I know they were throwing the ball around the yard. Yeah, they were throwing the ball around the yard. And even going back to OTAs, you know, Jameis after certain plays still moves around a little bit gingerly. Heck, that's to be expected. I mean, the man is, what, eight months removed from reconstructive knee surgery on what an, uh, was an ugly injury to begin with. Uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, Jameis – 
Jameis looks awfully crisp when he does throw the football, uh, you know, working up a chemistry with those new receivers, uh, you know, which is which is going to be key, uh, you know, to watch through training camp, preseason games and as we edge towards the regular season. Uh, yeah, but yeah, Jameis looks like he has embraced his role as the leader on this offense. Uh, you know, and you know, injury or not, he might not be getting 100 percent of the work or 100 percent of the work that the fans would like him to get. Uh, but he's he's being extremely vocal, uh, you know, with his teammates. He looks extremely comfortable, uh, you know, even working out, you know, with or without knee brace. Uh, there's kind of a question uh, on whether he is going to wear one into the season. Uh, you know, so I'm sure uh, you know, if fans are concerned at all about you know, him going without a knee brace one day and with a knee brace the other, it's just Jameis trying to get a feel for what he's uh, most comfortable with. Okay. Um, always uh, interested. They, um, you know, you, you get a chance to see what maybe the the, the starting lineup looks like in these things. Um, and you know, you mentioned Trevor Penning, Landon Young took the first team reps at left and right mm-hmm. tackle during walkthroughs. James Hurst, Ryan Ranchep were the main starters of the day. Uh, so, look, this is a veteran club. Um, uh, Deuce McAllister. Uh, tweeted something saying that Dennis Allen, before any drills started, had the defense doing 40 up-downs. They, they couldn't have been happy with that. That is no fun. In that heat, I guess he's sending a message. Let's go. It must be some kind of message. Uh, I don't know whether something went awry in some of these you know, at meetings that we don't see or hear about. Uh, but I, I don't know about you, but the, the school of thought where I came from and you know grew up on, you're asked to do that many ups and downs. You're being punished for something. So yes. I, I don't yes. know whether he's trying to send a message uh, to keep this defensive core sharp or not. Uh, I'm with you. I don't know. Uh, David Johnson running back was with Arizona and Houston. He is uh met with the Saints. He, he was out there practicing. He's trying to earn a spot or am I wrong there? Uh, I, I don't know whether that is correct about him okay. being out at practice or okay. not. Uh, yeah, Jordy, I apologize. You no, might no, be no, no, no. That's 100% okay. correct. Uh, but I do know that they visited with him yesterday. Uh, and uh, yeah, it, it, from all accounts, it was a good visit, but no contract has officially been signed. Uh yeah, David Johnson is one of the few big name backs remaining in free agency. Uh, and of course, you know, depth at running back behind Alvin Kamara, particularly uh, if and when a suspension comes down to AK 41, uh, is going to be a, a question that this team is going to have to answer. Since last we talked, we got the good news about a guy that we've talked about, maybe one of the biggest, um, not a free agent, but one of the biggest acquisitions of the year. And that's Will Lutz. Uh, he's been given the clearance to go play and do his thing, and he was out there kicking the ball again. So that's that's always good news. Oh, my, yes. Uh, I mean, this team went through four kickers last year. It's bad enough when one of the, uh, one of the NFL's you know, at clutch, long-distance kickers you know, is lost for the year. But when you have to roll through four kickers, and in my opinion, place-kicking woes cost them at least two to three victories last year. Uh, you know, ha- having number three back in action is a good sign. Uh, I'm going to be keeping a close eye on him and how well uh, you know, he handles any uh, any long kicks during mini camp, training camp, and of course, you know, once the preseason games start, uh, because I didn't realize how many uh, you know, setbacks that Will had had with surgery. I mean, I, I know that he uh, is the one that elected to shut it down for the year early in the season when a lot of us thought he was going to come back after, you know, four or five weeks. Uh, you know, so we certainly 
Uh, you know, we're certainly thrilled to see him back on the field, uh, and you know, I, I hope everything goes swimmingly from here. Uh, Chris Richard is one of the co-defensive coordinators, but according to reports, he was handling the primary call duties defensively throughout the day. Um, I wonder if that's going to be something that sticks and stays. Are they going to alternate and see who has the best feel for this defense? I don't know. Uh, I do expect them to alternate uh, you know, between Chris Richard and, of course, the defensive line you know, uh, coach. Uh, Ryan Nielsen is the other co-defensive coordinator. Richard certainly has a lot more experience as far as play calling duties go. Uh, but, you know, Ryan Nielsen is a hot, young coaching commodity. Uh, you know, I, I expect his name to be thrown about in you know, head coaching searches after this season and beyond. Uh, you know, so I'm sure Dennis Allen is probably going to give him a shot at some play calling duties. Too. I mean, heck, it's minicamp why wouldn't you you know dennis allen can call defenses you know chris richard can call defenses you want to see uh, how chris does with this new new orleans personnel but you got to give ryan nielsen a shot too especially if he's going to be titled as co-defensive coordinator uh, bro saints news network one name that keeps uh, popping um from otas now to minicamp is is bryce thompson dennis allen's raved about this guy tell me about him uh, Bryce Thompson was an undrafted rookie from Tennessee last year. Uh, you know, he was able to play both cornerback and safety for the volunteers. Uh, and, you know, the Saints thought highly enough to keep him on the practice squad most of the year. Uh, I don't think he saw any act uh, live game action. Uh, okay. But you know, in talking to our guy, John Hendricks, uh, you know, John likes what he sees from Bryce, too. And you're right. Dennis Allen has raved about him. Uh, yeah, he, he has an uphill climb to make this roster at a very, very crowded safety position. Yeah. Uh, but after you know, after great OTAs and a solid start to minicamp, he keeps this momentum up. He's going to be tough to keep off of the roster. What is it about the Saints in Tennessee? Because apparently Elante Taylor is standing out one of their draft picks this year. The the Tennessee uh, volunteer safety Um Apparently he's turning some heads as well early on. Yeah, and you know, we, we know that you know, that the Saints liked him just obviously by picking him in the second round. He fits the prototype of big, physical, athletic defensive back that Chris Richard has always excelled with. Uh, and a lot of people just assumed that Elante was going to be moved to safety because of his size and his tackling ability. When I started watching his film after they drafted him, I was like, well, this guy can really cover. Uh, and you know, there's already some mumblings, at least among the media, that maybe Paulson Adebo job as a number two cornerback isn't so secure after all a latte taylor is that good now it's obviously still way early uh you know, but you know T taylor is holding his own when he goes up against these athletic big physical saints receivers so if he could keep up that momentum you know, a, a deep secondary just got a heck of a lot deeper all right let's take a time out here we'll continue with bob rose part two He's so good. We got to get him twice. Twice is nice. Of the Black and Gold Report here on the Jordy Helpert Show. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, where you're home for the Houston Astros and the LSU Tigers. Stay with us. Time to open up the vault for the games this day in sports history. June 14th, 1966. In a Florida State League contest, Miami defeats St. Petersburg 4-3 in a game that lasts 29 innings. It is the longest uninterrupted game in organized baseball history. 
That was this day in sports history. We now return to the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We are back. The Black and Gold Report, 37 minutes, 38 minutes after the hour on this Tuesday, June 14th. Bob Rose, Saints News Network with us. All right, Bob. Um, so how does this work uh, when you go to these mandatory mini camps? You're on the field for a certain amount of time. Do they have a lot of do they keep them there all day? Do they have classroom stuff, film study, uh, weightlifting? Uh, what else do they do on these days? Uh, all of the above, you know, Jordy, okay. it's, it, it's very, very similar to training camp practices, uh, you know, just, and not quite as long as sessions on the field, uh, but you know, an awful lot of film room study, weight room study. Uh, you know, the trainers get heavily involved with these players uh, to keep up on their uh, uh, on their physical health, of course, uh, you know, injury rehab, that kind of thing. Uh, you know, it, football is a 24 seven job now uh, for a lot you know, for most of these guys and coaches. Uh, you know, and, and you know, as you know, even with the OTAs, even though their titles as optional, uh, it, it makes news when these players don't show up. Uh, you know, so, yeah, you know, at mini camp, that intensity gets ratcheted up just a little bit more uh and you know yeah it's it's boots to the ground for these guys i'm curious um new coach new head coach uh new offensive coordinator new defensive coordinators i'm curious as to if things looked the same as usual if things were run a little bit differently uh how organized was it uh, that those are the things that always pique my curiosity when you have a a coaching change like the saints have had yeah, same here. Uh, and so far, I haven't heard uh, heard anything run differently between Dennis Allen and what Sean Payton did. Okay. Uh, you know, Dennis is actually a lot more active with on the offensive side of the ball than what a lot of us thought he might be. Uh, you know, just keeping himself involved, keeping himself informed, uh, everything like that. So that's very impressive. I've always thought the DA was an extremely organized coach, so I wasn't necessarily uh, you know worried about the organization of practices. Uh, you know, in the case of Sean Payton, his voice was pretty much always heard. Uh, you know, take it from one who's attended several you know training camps under Sean Payton myself. Right. Uh, you know, Dennis Allen is a tiny bit more soft-spoken, uh, but his, like I said, his his presence is very, very well, uh, you know, is very, very prominent out there. Uh, you know, as far as the assistant coaches go, uh, you know, you see both Chris Richard and Ryan Nielsen again heavily involved, as you would expect them to be. Uh, yeah, the offensive coaches, Pete Carmichael has taken a little bit of a step back, uh, you know, as far as his physical involvement. He's sort of the overseer of things, okay. uh, which which makes a little bit of sense because sure. there's been a lot more changeover on the offensive staff than there was on the defensive staff this offseason. Uh, you have the young receivers coach that they brought in from Tennessee. Uh, yeah, he's extremely involved from what I understand. Uh, and obviously, Doug Marone's voice is always going to be very, very prominent on the practice field. Mm -hmm. uh, and he, of course, is in charge of the offensive line. We talked about the co-defensive coordinators when when it comes time and there's live bullets. And I mean, the games count. Is Dennis Allen going to call the, the defensive signals or is he going to turn that over to them? Shortly after Dennis Allen was hired, uh, yeah, he was asked that very question. Uh, you know, and it's a good one. Uh, and he said that his plan was to call the defensive signals. Okay. Uh, 
Now, you, even though Allen has been a head coach before, uh, you know, he's still relatively inexperienced at the position. So I would expect uh, that he would sort of hand over the play-to-play duties uh, you know, to either Richard or Nielsen or both. Uh, there's going to be a heavy, heavy collaboration between the three. Uh, and D.A. is obviously going to have the say-so in the biggest situations. But it would not surprise me if once we get into you know, the live bullets flying around, as you put it, uh, you know, that Richard or Nielsen are a little bit more involved in the play-to-play uh, uh, you know, down-calling duties. Okay. He is Bob Rose, Saints News Network. Who do you think is going to have a more... Um productive career with the saints out of their two first round picks, Chris Olavi or Trevor Penning. They're both very important pieces. Who, who do you think has uh, becomes the most valuable of the two toward the success of this team? I'm a big, big Chris Olave fan, as you know, you know yeah. all the way back to last fall. Uh, but you got to go with the offensive lineman, don't you? Uh, yeah. Not that you know, re- wide re- Not that elite wide receivers are a dime a dozen, and I think Alave has the physical gifts to be something very special. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, when you have an elite offensive lineman, that's what usually makes the difference in your team. Uh, you know, that's what tilts the balance. Uh, you know, of your running game protects the blind side and you know, the left tackle's case of your quarterback. Uh, you know, and you know, Penning, a guy like Penning, you know, as intense as he plays, at least you know, through his collegiate film, he can be a catalyst for that entire offensive line. So while I love Chris Olave, uh, you know, I think if all thing, uh, all other things are equal, Trevor Penning's upward arc, uh, you know, gives him probably the more importance of the two to the team. Okay. All right. Um, Baker Mayfield, Jimmy Garoppolo, the rumblings are still out there. You hear more about Mayfield and the Carolina Panthers. You hear Mayfield and the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, I don't know anything about Garoppolo. Um, these are all the stories, I guess, the, the lead stories in going into these mini camps. And I think all eyes will be on both of those respective players to see what happens there. Yeah, I do, too. Uh, And we don't hear a lot about Garoppolo. And John Lynch has said over and over that if he doesn't get a trade offer that absolutely knocks him off the table, uh, that he's not going to move Garoppolo just for the sake of moving him. San Francisco seems extremely content to go into the season with Trey Lance and Jimmy battling it out in training camp. Uh, And, you know, Trey in his very, very limited uh, reps last year, he didn't look nearly ready to me. Now, he's had a whole offseason to digest San Francisco's playbook and everything like that. Uh, But I would not be surprised if Jimmy Garoppolo were the were the uh, was the opening day quarterback for the San Francisco 49ers. Mayfield's case, as you and I have talked about many, many times, Mayfield's case is a completely separate situation. Uh, you know, Baker, I think someone is going to end up pulling the trigger on I a trade too. for Baker Mayfield, uh, probably before training camp. We're very early into it. Uh, uh, the, the running favorite seems to be the Carolina Panthers. I still wouldn't rule out the Seattle Seahawks. I'm with you. The Minnesota Vikings came out of left field a little bit. Uh, yeah, but Kirk Cousins is on a bit of a hot seat out there. Uh, yeah, Baker is the younger of the two quarterbacks. Uh, yeah, just like Cousins, he's shown the capability of taking a well-rounded squad to the playoffs. Uh, but again, you know, my, my clubhouse favorite is the Carolina Panthers right now. What happens to two gloves? Two-glove Teddy. 
two gloves teddy is gonna be uh you know two is back up in miami as you know yeah uh, if two and speaking of guys that are on the hot seat Ooh. miami brought in all those skill position yep. players on offense this offseason uh if Tua struggles out of the gate they're going to have a quick hook because in a, a guy like Teddy Bridgewater, he might not be an elite passer, but you know what you're going to get from him week in and week out. And that's consistency. He can deliver the ball to your outside weapons. So if Tua struggles to get the ball to, um, the Tyreek Hill, Gizicki, uh, and those other skill position players that they have, you know, T- Teddy Bridgewater can be the, the, the two gloves steadying hand. <laughs> Uh, you know, for that offense in the AFC East. Still the funniest thing, him riding his bicycle from wherever he was living to, to the Superdome for games. That, that That's just uh, crazy. So in a nutshell, I guess the best thing, the Saints culture still exists because mm-hmm. everybody that uh, everybody was there, 100% attendance, even those that couldn't participate, they were there. They were on the sidelines. They had their jerseys on and they're watching. So that to me is a, is a sign of encouragement and a check mark on the side of Dennis Allen's name uh, that he's got the he's got that locker room under control and they know he's mm-hmm. in charge and they're supposed to be there and they're there. Yeah, I agree with you. That's very very encouraging to me. Uh, yeah, because you look so often throughout the league, uh, you know, when there's a coaching change, even when it's an in-house guy that takes over, mm-hmm. uh, you have all of a sudden these veterans coming out of the woodwork, sitting out because they allegedly want new uh, new contracts, or all of a sudden crying that they want to be traded. Uh, you know, when seemingly it was uh, they were in a position of stability, uh, and, and the fact that, and I know all kinds of rumors are floating around uh, about Michael Thomas uh, is a great example. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you, you and I both deserve pats on the back because we never bought into those rumors. Uh, and you know, to to see him there, uh, you know, working out very, very hard at the facilities, uh, you know, supporting his team, like physically there on the sidelines uh, is also a key mark. You know, these injured guys aren't just hiding in, you know, in rehab and meetings. They are physically out there with their teammates. And I think that's a great sign got to ask you this question i mean the reports from the miami herald about the dolphins pursuing sean payton five year 100 million dollar deal that just doesn't appear without some some sense of reality to it if that had gone down what do you believe mickey loomis and the saints would have required of the dolphins to allow sean payton to leave and go if I'm Mickey Loomis, I ask for a, and and Gail Benson, I ask for a minimum of two first round picks. Uh, you know, obviously, yeah, Sean Payton was one of the elite coaches in the NFL, and obviously the Miami Dolphins felt the same way. If they're offering a five, you know, four or five year, you know, contract hovering around a hundred million dollars, so if you want my coach that bad and you know he's under contract, I want a minimum of two first round draft picks for him. Uh, as much as I hate to see him for another team, I still believe Sean Payton is going to probably be coaching again as soon as early next year. Uh, and the Saints are going to get you know, a minimum of a first-round pick. Uh, but if this deal were to have gone down as quickly as you know, it, what had been rumored, uh, yeah, I, I think the Saints would have probably netted two first-rounders from it. Do you believe that was uh, pretty much reality? That that was a strong possibility? Normally, I would say no. But given what the Miami Dolphins did this offseason, I mean, they, you know, they threw they threw money around like it was absolutely nothing. Uh, And, you know, they they made the coaching change and getting rid of Brian Flores. 
uh, and you know it, it was met with a lot of a, a lot of controversy because of the right. way it happened. Right. Uh, you know, when you bring in a guy like Sean Payton, you know, Sean immediately uh, added a stabilizing factor to the New Orleans Saints in 2006 when he came. Uh, you, know, you bring in a guy like Sean Payton when you're swirling in controversy. That's a stabilizing influence, uh, a, a proven winner. So, yeah, I, I'm leaning towards it that, that that was more reality than not. I think it would have been more of a reality if Tom Brady said he was going to Miami and not uh, getting out of retirement and going back to Tampa. I'm just saying. I don't know. All right, Bob Rose, uh, happy Father's Day early from all of us to you. Enjoy your weekend with your beautiful family, and thank you so much. You make Tuesdays uh, fly by, man. I really do appreciate it. My friend, you do the same for me, and I hope you have a great week and a great Father's Day too. You got it, my man. Bob Rose of the Saints News Network, day one of mandatory minicamp in the books trail is putting on a free all day event this saturday at cafe 20.3 at 1500 general mouton in addition to free paddling there'll also be a party featuring live music to help out the mile zero heroes by raising awareness and funds to build the new teat park and boat launch at mile zero of the vermilion river donations and sponsorships are welcome trail will match up to $20,000 in donations. For more information, visit www.latrail.org. That's www.latrail.org. We'll come back. We'll wrap it all up this Tuesday, June 14th edition of the Jordy Helpert Show here on The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station, and your home, for the LSU Tigers and the Houston Astros. Here's three pieces of advice to live by. Never play cards with a guy whose last name is a state. Don't spit into the wind. And always listen to the Jordy Holberg Show on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. All right, the Astros will be looking to get back on track tonight at the Texas Rangers. First pick set for 7.05. You can listen to all the exciting action live here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Special thanks to our guest today. What a fun show it was. Ben McDonald talking about the College World Series. Four SEC West teams among the eight still playing college baseball hunter bauer with a kind of a recap the the owner of go preps recap of the the uh high school season with all the trials and tribulations that took place hurricanes covid and everything um alex myers previewing thursday's start of the u.s open so much talk about the the live tour uh going on and then bob rose with the saints news network recapping day one of the saints mandatory minicamp we are Taking the day off tomorrow because the Astros are playing. So we will be back on Thursday. All right. We'll be back on Thursday. If today, June 14th, is your birthday, happy birthday from all of us to all of you. You celebrate yours. He's 77 years old now. Donald Trump, former president of the United States and a winner of 22 Grand Slam titles. Steffi Graf is 53. James, thank you so much for all you do. Thanks to all of you for listening in in whatever form or fashion you do, the radio, streaming, television, whatever it may be. Thank you. Our partners, you know how much we appreciate you. We couldn't do this 
without you. So come tune in uh, to the Astros tomorrow, and then we'll be back on Thursday, same time, 2 to 4, same great stations, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. Until then, from all of us here to all of you there, thank you so much. Uh, I'm Jordy Helper. Stay thirsty, my friends. Do everything you can to stay healthy. Please stay healthy. Let's be kind to one another, and why not be happy? Life is short. Let's enjoy it. So long, everybody.